goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Attention, Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now, here's Bo Snurdly. Raul helped build this organization with the understanding that the diversity of this community as distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx, as beautiful as the blossoms of Miami, and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio. You know what it is! It's Taco Tuesday! And Joe Biden (laughs) is back in the news today. I don't even know whether we're going to get to her. Today is Tuesday, it's Taco Tuesday, which means... On Boston Early's Rush Hour, you can look forward to hearing from our beloved Mark Stein, who will be with us uh, shortly, as well as your telephone calls if you care to participate in the program, 800-848-WABC is that number to call, 800-848-9222. If you are a uh, person that watches your stocks, you're watching them drop like a rock. Earlier today, when I looked, it was uh, eight. The market was off eight hundred points. Scott, how what how what is it now? You said. Uh, let me pull it up again. One thousand. Oh, hang on. Yeah, yeah. It was. <laughs> I lost it. Oh, uh, one thousand two hundred seventy-six points, almost four percent down. Not good. Not good at all. Yeah, and so your stocks are uh, uh, hanging low, and that's uh, fund managers are super bearish, apparently. And uh, we shall see what happens. Why, by the way? Because inflation numbers are higher than anybody. See, Joe Biden and the left has been telling you and the press, oh, gasoline prices are coming down. Oh, everything's lovely. Oh, Democrat. No, we've all been saying all along, those of us in the real world, that the other cost of living, like rent, like food, all these other prices are going up like crazy. And apparently the numbers didn't lie. They came out today. The core CPI rose to an annualized rate of 6.3%. And immediately the stock market started sliding. Inflation is bad, folks, and it's getting worse out here. It is not getting better. Now, we have some audio that I would like to spend some time with today. And I guess we should do it now before we speak with Mark Stein. Let us start with the lives of TikTok one. That's number one. This is, there is so much hate going on. 
And if you look in the stories, you look at this this Carnegie Mellon professor Rhett, who I think we'll talk about that with Mark, who just hates the Queen. If you look throughout all of this, I've been saying for as long as I have been reconnecting with you here on the airwaves, that one thing that liberals will not talk about is the racism that emanates from minorities. They're good at pointing out when white folks are racist. Like today, there's a story about this NBA owner. Oh, Kevin, you follow sports. Sports is your kind of second gig. Who is this clown, this NBA owner? I mean, this guy's accused of saying sexualized, making sexualized comments to the women on his staff and of using the N-word multiple times. Who is this guy? So this guy is uh, named Robert Sarver. He's the owner of the Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Mercury uh, basketball, basketball organizations. Uh, today he was uh, suspended for a year by the NBA and fined $10 million, uh, Bo, for the the uh, workplace environment that uh, he has been providing for his players for the past couple of years. Um, I'm reading here some deta- some uh, details of Sarver's investigation include him using the N-word at least five times uh, when recounting statements of others um, in the workplace. So definitely a lot of uh, also sex-related comments I'm seeing here um, and instances of inequitable conduct towards female employees as well uh, for Mr. Sarver across uh, multiple uh, spans of times. Okay, so here's a guy, an NBA owner, right? Now, what would happen to you, ladies and gentlemen, if you were caught using the N-word five or six times at work, and then if you were making sexualized comments to the female workforce? Do you think that someone would say, oh, you know what, we're going to give you a suspension for a year, then you can come back, and, and, and then after that, um, we'll fine you a few bucks? No, you would be gone. But this is kind of typical of how it goes for certain strata in our society. A year is nothing. And finding this guy 10 million bucks, sorry, this doesn't cut it. He owns two basketball franchises. Why aren't the NBA? See, this is what I mean by these hypocrites. These hypocrites. Okay, professional sports and these sports owners This is so hypocritical. Can you imagine, let's say, if a conservative, a well-known conservative, let's say for the sake of argument, say a talk show host, a multi-million dollar worth big shot talk show host wanted to buy into a professional sports team. You know what would happen? Here's what would happen. You'd get instantly people lying about him and making up things that he never said. And then you'd have this moral outrage from the left that he should never own a sports team. Left, yet you don't hear a thing from the left right now condemning this wealthy sports owner. It says here about uh, more than 320 current and former employees were investigated as part of the uh... – uh, inv- investigation and 80,000, more than 80,000 documents, James, in uh, Robert Sarver's investigation. Okay, and he still owns the team. Correct. Now, I moved that because that is one side of racism that never gets addressed. When it's like a wealthy liberal, oh, forget about it. They're not going to investigate that. There's no big deal. Slap on the wrist and let him get on with his life and continue ownership of the team. 
The other that never get never gets investigated is when the person happens to be black or a member of a of a so-called ethnic group. And when they are openly racist, ah, no harm, no foul. I give you, for example, some of the things, and this is not a famous person. This is just your average run-of-the-mill liberal who happens to be an ethnic group speaking out on, uh, on, on TikTok. And, of course, our good friend lives at TikTok, found this. I want you to listen very carefully. This is a young child girl. I don't know how old she is. But listen to the way this thinking works. I'm going to prove to you why white people are the reason I'm fat today. Okay, stop it. Stop it. Let's rewind that from the top. If you did not understand what she's saying, folks, she is saying that she is going to offer all of us proof as to the reason that white people are responsible for her being fat. I'm going to prove to you why white people are the reason I'm fat today. If white people didn't go looking for spices, then various sea routes to Indian subcontinent and Africa and other places of the world would not get discovered. And if they didn't get discovered, then East India Company would never come to Indian subcontinent. And if they didn't come, then the fertility of the land would not get destroyed because they forced us to cultivate tobacco and dyes and they forced you to cultivate and destroyed the fertility of my country. And it destroyed the fertility of the country. Meanwhile, she so that's why she's fat, because white people wanted spices. And so now she's fat. It's not what she's stuffing in her gullet that's making her fat. No. It's not the fact that she probably doesn't exercise a lot or that she sits on her fat behind. No. It's that white people went looking for spices hundreds of years ago, and that's why fatty fat is fat. Great. (sighs) All right, let's let, <laughs> let us. T- the crap you think of is unbelievable. <laughs> all right, let's move now. You all know Greta, right? Greta Thornburg, the uh, the the activist, the 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 young echo activist. This is in two parts. You have heard the first part before. That's Greta going off on one of these World Economic Forums or UN Forums or wherever, where she's in having her temper tantrum. That's part one. Part two will be someone answers her temper tantrum back, which is highly unusual. So first, let's listen to Greta, the the echo warrior, young Greta Thunberg. This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yes, you should. Yet, you all come to us young people for hope. Yes, How we dare need you? Hope. How dare us? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet, I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. 
We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. Oh boy. How dare you! How dare you! How dare you! How dare you! I should be in school, except they make me wear a mask, and I don't want to wear a mask. Anyway, uh, Australian, one of the Aussies over at Sky News decided he had had enough of this. And so this is his response to the remarks made by the echo warrior Greta Thunberg. To all the school kids going on strike for climate change, you're the first generation who've required air conditioning in every classroom. You want TV in every room, and your classes are all computerized. You spend all day and night on electronic devices. More than ever, you don't walk or ride bikes to school, but you arrive in caravans of private cars that choke suburban roads and worsen rush hour traffic. You're the biggest consumers of manufactured goods ever and update perfectly good, expensive luxury items to stay trendy. Your entertainment comes from electric devices. Furthermore, the people driving your protests are the same people who insist on artificially inflating the population growth through immigration, which increases the need for energy, manufacturing and transport. The more people we have, the more forest and bushland we clear, the more of the environment that's destroyed. How about this? Tell your teachers to switch off the aircon, walk or ride to school, switch off your devices and read a book, make a sandwich instead of buying manufactured fast food. No, none of this will happen because, the piece says, your selfish, badly educated, virtue-signalling little turds inspired by the adults around you who crave a feeling of having a noble cause while they indulge themselves in Western luxury and unprecedented quality of life. Wake up, grow up, and shut up. <laughs> huh, we've got one more. But I think I'm going to ask Mark Stein to listen to this next one with me. It's Harris Faulkner. Now, Harris Faulkner rarely offers an opinion on anything, assuming she's on that show. But I want you to hear Harris Faulkner. This really struck me. It's time almost for Mark. So we're going to take a break. We're coming back. Mark Stein will join us. And Bo Snerders Rush Hour will continue right after this. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. He's always mistakenly British. Teen Crumpets. Cheerio. But he's really a Canuck. Known on all seven continents. Oh, I know who you are. America's undocumented anchorman. He's a recording star and a TV star. Tuesdays, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, presents Mark Stein. This is so wrong. I shouldn't even be here. Mark Stein. <laughs> uh, you are. You make Greta, the. Greta. You make the best Scandinavian schoolgirl I've ever heard, James. You are. <laughs> oh, fantastic. You. you are in the. You are in the wrong body. You should start transitioning. You make a fantastic Scandinavian <laughs> schoolgirl. 
Yeah, I just got to get my ponytail action together. <laughs> It'll be. <laughs> Yeah, those. Mark, uh, yeah, I think they're like. Are they? Are they pigtails? I think they're pippy long stocking type pig pigtails. She has, uh, which which exactly, all make me. Yes, right. uh, they, I can't. I can't stand her. I, I mean, I can take anything in these ghastly uh, eco activists, but uh, having you know being told how dare you by some obnoxious Swedish schoolgirl. I'd, I'd rather have Leonardo DiCaprio. I can't tell the difference. But, oh, God, there is that... I shouldn't be up here. Yeah, you're right. I you should be back in school. Yeah, you should be back in school. Yes, you should be. Yet, you all come to us young people. No, I don't. No. How dare you? I, I, I don't go to you anybody. You've my dreams. No, my I haven't. With your I, empty words. Your, your childhood's better than any generation in human history, you twit. Uh, my, you just played my friend, the great Alan Jones from Sydney, uh, telling... Uh, is that little, who that is? Yeah, that's wonderful. Alan Jones is like the rush of Australia, and he was just terrific. Uh, he was just terrific there. I I love this whole environment. Whenever I say anything, you know, oh, I don't think this climate change, uh, you know, I don't think we need to worry about it quite as much. Well, what do you know? Are you a, are you a climate are you a climate scientist? No, but my my friend here uh, he won a Nobel Prize in physics. Ah, oh, yes, but it was just physics in general. It wasn't climate science, was it? Unless you're a climatologist, you have no right to speak on this subject. Uh, and then Greta Thunberg comes along. Hello. Ooh, I left school at eight years old. Uh, but everybody seems to think I'm the world's greatest genius on the environment. Uh, I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, admittedly, she was uh, at a, in a Swedish school until she was eight years old, which I think is the equivalent of uh, doing up to grade 37 or whatever it is in the Washington, D.C. school system. Uh, but... Uh, but, um, you know, I love all that. Oh, if you're not a, how, oh, you're not a climate scientist, how dare you speak? And then, oh, look at this little Swedish schoolgirl. This, I mean, this is, this, this is the best thing these sinister globalists have come up with. Because, you know, all these other guys they put up as the sinister globalists, uh, like Klaus Schwab, the German mastermind, uh, are, are obviously people you'd want to steer well clear of. But then this like little eight-year-old, oh, I'm a little eight-year-old Swedish schoolgirl with pigtails. Well, then I'm not going. I say, you know, when I want to know about rising sea levels in the Maldives in the 22nd century, I want a reliable eight-year-old schoolgirl to tell me. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> I just love it. Mark, aye, aye, aye. you have been you have been a, uh, a a subject of the Queen your entire life. That's true. Have you not? Mm, I have until uh, whatever it was four days ago. Uh and to be to be honest, uh I would have been I would have been quite happy uh, to remain a subject of the Queen for another twenty, thirty, forty Years, but uh, sometimes with constitutional monarchy, uh, it comes to an end and you have to endure a somewhat less satisfactory monarch. That's the nature of the system. What do you think her legacy will be? Well, I think she I think she presided. I mean, she she came. 
to the throne when Harry Truman was in the White House. She knew, got to know President Eisenhower when he was General Eisenhower during the Second World War. That's ancient history to most Americans, uh, but it's it's slightly less ancient uh, in Her Majesty's dominions because she's the continuity. Uh, it's an incredible thing, seven decades. But, you know, the nature of the system is the queen is dead, long live the king. Uh, everything changes in a minute. Um, uh, and it was very shocking to me, actually, that statement from Buckingham Palace that said... Uh, the Queen passed away this afternoon. The King and the Queen Regent will remain at Balmoral and return to London. And you suddenly, wait, wait a minute, the King and the Queen Regent. And I'm thinking, I've been so used to America, where you have the peaceful transition of power for three months, so that it gives the deep state uh, enough time to screw over uh, the incoming uh, President Trump or whoever it is. It's a brilliant yeah, system. That. It's a brilliant system, that. So I'm I'm a little stunned because I've been in New Hampshire so long. I'm thinking, well, why isn't he the king-elect for three months <laughs> while the, uh, right. the, the deep state planned to screw him over? But no, everything changes in uh, seconds. And then uh, fellows in uh, London and in Ottawa and in... Hamilton, Bermuda, uh, and in Port Moresby, Papua New Guinea, uh, the Garda King of Arms and uh, the Canadian Chief Herald come out and read these proclamations announcing that some entirely new fellow is now the head honcho. And that's it. It all, it all, it, there's no uh, three month transition, it all just changes in a couple of minutes. And Harry is now back in the fold, at least momentarily. And uh, it looks like everybody's kissed and made up, at least for the show of the, until the funeral. <laughs> well, Do you I don't that to continue. No, I don't. I don't really, because I think, you know, she's ill suited uh, for that role. Because the thing is, if you're a younger son, uh, you spend your entire life getting less important. Uh, so if you're someone like Prince Edward, who's the Queen's youngest uh, child, your born youngest son, so he was born third in line to the throne, and then his brothers start having kids, and their kids start having grandkids, and so you become third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, twelfth, thirty-seventh in line. You spend your whole life getting less and less important, and uh, she doesn't. She doesn't understand that. It's a rather. It 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 requires a sort of self-effacement that is not really compatible with being a rather zealist uh, celebrity, which is what apparently her preference is. So I, I think that's, uh, I don't think that's likely to end happily, um, but it's not, you know, nobody, the, it was interesting to me, the coolness on the uh, streets of, uh, 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 when when she and Kate and William and Harry went out on the streets, there was a marked coolness Towards her, people don't don't forget easily what she's done. Now, this came this, this Carnegie Mellon professorette who's just filled with hate. Uh, look, I understand people have political differences with Great Britain and and with the way that the colonial powers have operated in the world, but to wish the Queen uh, excruciating death and pain, <laughs> yeah. and then for the the Carnegie Mellon folks to say, ah, freedom of speech. 
I don't know whether I would ever feel comfortable if, if I was someone that was considering Carnegie Mellon as an institution of learning. I don't even know whether I'd be comfortable. What kind of people are these? Well, you're paying, you know, you're paying six-figure sums to have your kids taught by morons. The reality of human history, I mean, she might not like the British Empire, but it's not a choice between imperialism and no imperialism. For the most of human history, it's a choice of which imperialism do you do you get. Right now, uh, people like uh, China, Russia, Iran think as conventional imperialist powers. They prosecute uh, world affairs in their own strategic interest. Uh, and that means that uh, they're, they're not trammeled by uh, fancy ideas about, you know, going forth uh, in, in cause of some pure ideology. Uh, we're only doing that in the West because we're dying, because we're screwed, because we basically are committing the most expensive civilizational suicide in history. So we've chosen to go down the toilet uh, and uh, drag the most advanced civilization in the world down. That's basically what Alan Jones was. Alan Jones is saying to Greta, Greta Thunberg, what the hell are you on about? You, you have a better life than almost anybody has ever lived, and you think that the West is the problem. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. And whatever comes after the West, uh, Greta Thunberg and maybe this Carnegie Mellon professor too, will be young enough to live with the consequences of their own uh, narcissism, which is what this, which is, what this is. Look, uh, the, the British Empire is, has got pluses and minuses, but in all its core areas, you look at the dominant regional powers anywhere on earth. At one point or another, they were all under the British crown. Right. Uh, you look at the most, uh, the, the countries with the highest GDP per capita. I forget whatever, what it's like 14 out of 20 are current or former realms of Her Late Majesty the Queen. You don't, it's not about imperialism versus this fluffy unicorn landscape where, where, where there's nothing bad, where, every, where you're ruled by Greta the munif munificent, you've got a choice. Uh, right now, you've got a choice between letting China take over the world or uh, America waking up uh, and the rest of the West and stop, uh, uh, stop this civilizational self-loathing, which is psychologically unhealthy. Uh, America is actually destroying itself. It's criminalizing political opposition. Uh, and uh, and we're all going to be going off the cliff. Um, it's, it's not. It's, in fact, it's a waste of time arguing the merits of uh, constitutional monarchy versus a constitutional republic because we're actually all heading for the rubble at the bottom of the cliff. And it'll seem a stupid argument when we slam into the bottom of the cliff and we're all blown into a thousand smithereens. And and this stupid Carnegie Mellon professor is uh, is a symbol of the decadent narcissism of end phase civilization. Mark, I, you know, I want to ask you if you can hold on through the break. I want to play Harris Faulkner if you can. Because oh, I'm, I'm always, I love Harris. I'm always happy to stay on for her. Okay, thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. James Golden, A.K. Stern, we've got a break. We'll be right back. Mark Stein's going to stay around, and I want you all to hear what's coming. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? 
This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. WABC. I saw him in London, of all places, at Wembley Stadium just, what, two weeks ago. WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden. Mark Stein is still with us, thankfully. Uh, Mark, we have breaking news. Our Princess Di, our Princess Di, uh, texted me during the break. Ken Starr has passed away. Complications to surgery. Oh, that's uh, that's very sad. Um, I I can't claim to have known him well. I met him half a dozen times over the years. He he had a great childlike face and the most fantastic smile. And I always I was I remember once just being on a, a panel with Ken, and he was asked some very serious loyalty questions. And he responded in a loyally way. And, of course, I'm the complete opposite. And <laughs> so I I just uh, made some cheap joke, pulled some low-hanging fruit. And the thing about it, I, I glanced at, I glanced at Ken, and he had this sort of beatific, uh, genuinely innocent, childlike smile on his face. He He was trashed. By the uh, by, the Clinton people. Yep. Into being, he was, he was supposedly this ferocious, hymn-singing, crazy fundamentalist uh, who who thought that everybody else was uh, we were all just godless fornicators and were going to burn in hell. And it and it was and, and he and it all sort of washed off him. He honestly, he's he didn't care about that at all. He was. Actually, so they they trashed him. They turned him into this hate figure, and it it made me realize actually just what the media and the Democrats can do when they're really determined. Because he was the nicest guy, he was the cuddliest guy, he was a big, smiley, beaming faced guy, and they made him out to be a monster. Ken Starr dead, and ladies and gentlemen, I mentioned Karis Faulkner early, and Mark graciously agreed to stay so we can listen to this together. She was on uh, the, <clears throat> that panel show that she does on Fox, and she talked about two things. Immigration was one of them, but she also talked about this story that came out yesterday of the lawyers for the terrorists that remain at Gitmo, including Khalid Sheikh Mohammed trying to make plea deals with the prosecutors. And this is what Harris Faulkner said. I know that I can't speak for every military family out there, but I'll speak for mine. I am truly sorry to all of them that we as a sovereign nation can't continue to act like one. Mm -hmm. That's the second time this hour that I have said that. Mm -hmm. It's about the border. It's about this issue. If we don't know what justice looks like when Americans are killed, are we then, Lily, you put it so beautifully, are we then really a sovereign nation? Do, do we really, really love the citizens of this great nation? We have a president who hates at least half of them. How do we know? Because he keeps telling us. Right. So what about those military families whose children went to war because of what happened, to, who willingly went and gave their lives, blood and treasure from America, after we were hit? They will never be the same. Those families who lost their children and those men and women who are forever damaged from serving that war. What do we say to them 
when we say we'll make a deal for these guys who took more than 3,000 lives of Americans in this country on American soil, what do we say to those military families? Yeah. We gave up. We got tired. We liked liberalism in our in our justice system better than we love you. I'm dying to know. I have never Mark heard Harris speak like that. Well, Harris is speaking there from the heart. She often talks about uh, growing up as a uh, military brat, uh, where you move from base to base, and because. You're not growing up in the same town. It's instead the institution, the, the military, that become your family. Um, I have to say uh, that's heartfelt. It's a betrayal of the soldiers. But it's important to remember that this is a betrayal of the soldiers by the brass. Uh, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, uh, people will know him as the very hairy-backed jihadist, uh, extremely hirsute. Uh, looks a bit like John Belushi. He was captured, I, I well remember this, uh, March the 1st, 2003. So for any Welshman, that's St. David's Day. It's your national holiday. Uh, March 1st, 2003, that is now 19 and a half years ago. It is almost, it is twice as long as the First World War and the Second World War combined. And the United States of America cannot prosecute and convict a, uh, a, a, a warmonger who planned an act of war that killed nearly 3,000 Americans on September the 11th. September the 11th, 2001. It's now September whatever, 2022. They're still going through their... It's not that these guys are seeking an appeal. It's, it's that this whole dirty, rotten, stinking, corrupt... A uh, pseudo-justice system is ready to do a deal with them, in which, by the way, they will receive so-called treatment for the alleged torture they have suffered. These five guys are likely to be out and walking around uh, whatever delightful part of Afghanistan they happen to prefer uh, well before, you know, some of these January 6th guys are walking around. That's how sick uh, the uh, the pseudo-justice system in this country is. But Harris is quite right. What's the point of sending two, three generations of Americans uh, and, and others, indeed, to run around the Hindu Kush to die year in, year out in godless bits of sod, worthless, some of the most worthless bits of sod on the planet, if you capture the head honcho uh, he's also the guy who sliced off the head of Daniel Pearl, by the way. Uh, you can't even prosecute. You've had 20 years. And now, after 20 years, you think, oh, well, yeah, we don't really think we can uh, bring this one in, uh, so we're going uh, we're gonna to cop a plea. It's pathetic. Americans should be a... a sh the, the war is lost. The war is lost at home and abroad because the, uh, the, the people who were running it starting with these buffoon chiefs of staff like Thoroughly Modern Millie with all his medals from his shoulder to his scrotum. I, I have no idea what they are for uh, in a country that takes 20 years to lose a war to goat herds with fertilizer. They should raise the Pentagon, salt the earth, and move the joint chiefs of staff to a strip mall on the edge of Cleveland or wherever. Brilliant. As always, Mark, what a pleasure. Sanity prevails. Mark, we missed you so much. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we were... <laughs> well, 
Well, I, I, I don't think I feel very, I feel very sorry about this, and I fully understand. I dr- saddest thing, a couple of days after the fall of a, of, of Kabul last year, I drove uh, down I eighty nine from Vermont to New Hampshire, and there were signs over the bridges from fellow veterans mourning one of their own who'd committed suicide after the fiasco in Afghanistan. Harris is quite right. Every military family should be. Well, what's it? We 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 fought and bled and died for twenty years so Khalid Sheikh Mohammed could cop a plea. It's pathetic. Amen. Thank you, Mark. James Goldman, aka Snurley, with you. Mark Stein. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Right after this. Y'all know what the day is, right? I said, do y'all know what today is? Today is. Taco Tuesday! This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush? On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Wow, you're just on a roll today. You know, we are fortunate, folks. Sid is in the house. Uh-oh. What's Uh-oh. up, Sid? <laughs> this is my virgin appearance, my debut on the Great Bo Snurdly Show. Thank you so much for having me on, buddy. Thank you so much. Oh, Sid, you are just a hero. You know, I just <laughs> love your show. <laughs> I love you. what you do. And by the way, Sid is the best dressed man <laughs> in Freaking radio. Uh, well, you should see me right now. I literally just walked across the street from Newsmax. I taped a uh, segment with our uh, mutual friend, Sean Spicer, that will air at about 5.30 tonight on Newsmax. I'm wearing a yellow button-down shirt bow with a blue denim sport jacket. I look like a million bucks. So it's funny you would say that because you happen to catch me at a moment when I'm looking pretty damn good, I must say and myself. And makeup on, too. <laughs> and makeup, yes. <laughs> Now, you have a new book. Tell us about your book, Sid. I do. It's called Citizens United. And, Bo, really the inspiration came from my old friend Tim Russert. You remember Tim Russert, of course. I love Tim Russert. Yes. With so the did charts. I. Yes. Meet the press. And he was very close with his father, Bo, and his father, Russ, died. And uh, Tim wrote a book called Big Russ. Big uh, Russ. Right, right. Exactly right. So I went to my publisher, Simon & Schuster, Postal Press, and I said, listen, I lost my father, Harvey. He and I were very, very close two years ago. I'm still not over it. It was a horrible loss. I want to write a book about me and my dad. And they said, listen, Sid, that's great. But we listen to you every morning. At any given moment, Sid Rosenberg can talk about, oh, I don't know, Eric Adams, Kathy Hochul, Donald Trump, Phil Sims, Real Housewives of New Jersey, Phil Collins. Why would you limit this book to just you and your dad as much as we love you and we love your dad? I said, well, let me ask you this. If I do what you're asking me to do, what will the difference be in the advance? Hence, Citizens United. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Where can people find your books? Well, you can go to Amazon right now, Bo. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Go to Amazon right now. Look up Sid Rosenberg, my second book. First one in 12 years, Citizens United. And uh, you can buy that today. And uh, thank you for bringing me on and talking about my book. I really appreciate it. And I want to say something here. You know, I have been in radio most of my life. And... There are a lot of pricks in this industry. Yes. Yes. And then there are the good people. Sid is one of the best 
people oh, you will you. ever meet in your life. Oh my God, thank you. And he's you. so damn good on the air. You're number one in the market to you and Bernie. Bernie has said number one in New York. Congratulations. Thank you. This book should fly off the shelves. Well, listen, Sid. coming from you, a guy that's got a tremendous amount of talent, you two have a huge heart, worked alongside Rush Limbaugh all those years. So coming from you, Bo, that means an awful lot. And it was not easy to get to number one with Cumulus there before us. Thank God for the Cats Matides. They gave us this great vehicle, this great opportunity, and we are kicking ass all over New York. And we've got a great team around us, hollered by people like you, Boast Nerdly, so thank you so much. And said you got to come back to uh, make some time for a phone call on the Saturday show when we can talk at length about your book, okay? I would love to do that and all the news of the day and uh, the day before the Jets and the Giants. They would do some sports too. I love you, Boast Nerdly. Thank you so love much. You, Sid. Thank you. Thank you. WABC Talk Radio 77. Listen, my friends, this Saturday and Sunday, September 17th and 18th, the Staten Island Ferry Hawks are recognizing their fans with Fan Appreciation Night. Now, prior to the game, prior to the Ferry Hawks game on Saturday against the Long Island Ducks, kids get to run the bases. What a great thing, especially you have kids that are interested in baseball. Bring them out. Let them run the bases. The stadium is terrific, folks. I've been there. This is an absolutely great day trip. So get your kids, take them along, let them run the bases, follow the game, stay for the fireworks show afterwards. Then on Sunday... Get team autographs. The kids run the bases again following the game. You can call right now, 800-848-WABC. Get a family pack of four tickets to either Saturday's or Sunday's game. That's the Ferry Hawks game, one 800 848 Right now, celebrate Fan Appreciation Night with the Staten Island Ferry Hawks this weekend. For more chances to win tickets to the Ferry Hawks game this weekend, go to wabcradio.com slash Ferry Hawks. And with that, while we get our winners of the family pack tickets, let's head to the telephones. Andrew and Stanhope, how are you? Oh, Bo. How dare Bo. How dare, how dare you? How dare you, Bo. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, but Taco Tuesday, she's ignorant when uh, she's talking about diversity. And I guess she means because the population, the community, Latino. So she sees that as diverse, but really it's the opposite. Everyone's the same racial group, <laughs> but there could be ethnic, you know, right, nationalities. Well, you know what Jill Bat- Biden said today? You know what she said today? We'll we'll have this cool tomorrow. Jen, I'm promising some audio for tomorrow. We'll have this tomorrow. Jill Biden said that in America, we don't ban books, that every book, all books should be in the school libraries. She made no differentiation between pornographic books and other books. Joe Biden said today in an interview, all books, this is America, all books belong in the library. So let's grab that audio for tomorrow, Jen, because we'll have some fun with that tomorrow as well. Thank you for the call, Andrew Howell in South Plainfield, New Jersey. How are you? Yes. Hello. How are you, James Golden? Um I'm just concerned that Harry and Meghan aren't getting getting the publicity that they crave. And what they have to do is a very bold um, uh, publicity stunt uh, to sell their upcoming book. And what they should do is glue their hands to the Queen's coffin and start spouting um, uh, Marxist ideology 
because we know um, Megan Megan is wired for sound, so we'll Let's all hear beep. it. How? <laughs> Shame on you! Shame on you! <laughs> the crap you think of is unbelievable. Oh my goodness, Mike in Oceanside. How are you, Mike? Time is running out. Help us quickly. Hello, Mike in Oceanside. Hey, Bo, how are you? I want to wish you a happy Taco Tuesday. Thank you. I love all those those Bodakas in the Bronx. But real quick, Joe Biden signed a bill today, Inflation Reduction Act. Did anybody know anything about that? Yeah, it didn't reduce inflation. Inflation's at an all-time high. Stock market's tanking because the inflation numbers came out. So he picked the right day. Because the numbers are tanking on Wall Street because the inflation numbers are skyrocketing. Real Americans are paying more than ever for their food, for their rent. And so all this talk about, oh, things are getting so much better. The Democrats have a chance. Oh, let's see how this all plays out, shall we? Thank you for the call. Ladies and gentlemen, what a packed show. Mark Stein is back in the house. We love it. Remember, Sid's book, Citizens United. This is Bo Snerly, James Golden. We're back tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Cats and Matitis up next. Cats at night. May God bless and protect each and every one of you and your families. As always, such a pleasure to have you here. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. People for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet... I'm one of the lucky ones. Taco Tuesday!